Father, we thank you, dear God. You're so wonderfully awesome. We're super excited about what you're uh, showing us and what you're uh, teaching us. We ask that for all the hearers uh, today, that they would have their mind arrested with thoughts of you and your word. Pray that you would open our eyes, God, that we may see all that you'd have us to see. Open our ears, God, that we can hear everything you want us to hear. And God, we ask that through this process, through this teaching, through this series, that we truly obtain financial freedom because we've accepted the truth and received the freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In today's climate or environment, especially during the age of prosperity message, a lot of it is based on money being given to the church as a faith act. Allow me to definitively declare to you that faith does not come by giving. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is no check you can write that will increase your faith. My earnest prayer is that all who hear this series will have the financial implications that have been thrust upon them removed. And in its place is a very clear and unimpeded route to building a genuine relationship with God and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. In 2010, the Freedom Center will go on a tremendous journey. And week after week, at the conclusion of this series, we're going to teach about the Holy Spirit, who He is, why He is here, what is He doing here. Because God does not change His plans they were before the earth began, and God has always desired a personal, individual relationship with every person. He created each of you, each of us, so that he can enjoy who we are, our diversity, our individuality, and that is not governed through anything other than through the Holy Spirit is. That's our communing, that's our interacting every single day. And so we'll, we'll teach that, and, and hopefully during that time we'll be able to remove some of the, the stuff. You know, it's like um, for those who watch sports on television and, and know that the athletes, I'm, I love football, of course, and they go in and they, uh, you know, they always get in knee injuries in football, and they go in for arthroscopic surgery, and they'll say, I had to go get my knee cleaned out. You know, and hopefully we can clean some of the junk out of these relationships that people have with God that has been placed in by man. And in this place you have a, a well-oiled functioning knee and you can uh, just move forward in that relationship. Alright, so <clears throat> principles. We've talked about how um, it takes wisdom to know 
when you're, you're reading something and you are to take from what you're reading in the Bible a principle and when you are to simply read it and understand the circumstances and move forward. Right? It's because, you can, because you can take things out of the text and assign them as a principle in your life when they're not a principle. And of course, you act on them as principles and they don't produce for you what you're looking for. And that can cause problems, right, in the relationship. Uh, so we, we have to have that wisdom to do that. And I will say that when you really get a hold of principles that are presented in Scripture, principles reveal God's character. Right? His principles reveal his character and who he is. That's why it's very important to identify. And one of the tools that I have attempted to give uh, to all who listen is being able to identify the audience and understanding who God is talking to. That helps shape whether or not it's an actual principle. If it's for a specific individual or for a specific group of people for a specific time, then it's really not a principle. But if it transcends culture and community and gender and race and, and, and temporal assignment or time period, then you can pretty much rest assured it's a principle. For instance, we talk about how the Ten Commandments are not applicable to Christians today. We're not governed or justified by our obedience to the Ten Commandments. But when the Bible says, honor thy mother and father, right, the law that you would, hey, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, so now God, you owe me. Now you're not justified by your obedience to that, but the principle of honoring your mother and father is still intact. Hello. I'm just saying. Right? So it's, it's, just, it's just identifying that, right? So what the law did is that the law told the Israelites essentially how to go about um, implementing those principles with God's character. And, and that's why you see Jesus was able to fulfill it and then move us, as they say, uh, to the next level. Uh, okay, so let's, let's take a look. Um, we're going to be coming out of Deuteronomy, the 14th chapter. And let me also say that, you know, there are some that have said, well, you know, when you really look at it, we're dealing with... We're dealing with not even all of what the Israelites were giving because the Israelites were giving more like 23% of what they had, not just 10%. And when someone throws a number out like that with no explanation, I mean, you know, it, it kind of seems a, a, like a daunting task. I mean, let's face it, if you've been presented that the tithes are relevant today, and God requires you to tithe today, and then someone tells you, you're getting off easy, because the Israelites were really given 23%, I mean, you, you were already struggling, right? So let's just, let me just address that, because, you know, we got some theologians, some Bible scholars that are listening, and they you know, like to leave me comments, so let me address this one. 
10% of what you had, whether you were doing crops or livestock, was given as a Levitical tithe. 10% was given during the festival tithe. 10 plus 10 is 20%. Um, and then you'll find out that the poor tithe was given on the third year and the sixth year of a seven-year cycle, which over the seven years ends up being about 3%. So 23% would have been an accurate number, but it wasn't given all at once. So we just have to be, I don't know, honest about what the Bible is actually saying and make the adjustment in our own lives and our belief systems to fit what the Bible is actually saying. Okay, so Deuteronomy the 14th chapter, and we'll, let's go down to um, verse 28. Deuteronomy 14, 28. And it reads, At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow who are within your gates, may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. I'm going to read that again. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. Now, let's take a look at this. Every Every nation has poor in it. Now, would you agree that there, there are poor in every nation? And it is, um, it, is, it is one of the most difficult things for nations and governments to deal with, the poor. I mean, even in our own country today, we have the health care reform and, and we have um, unemployment insurance and we have all these things that are targeted at people who are having financial struggles uh, whether we label them as poor or not but I mean even in our own country we have them today so this is a relevant topic and issue and so it's no different than what Israel was dealing with they had a poor people issue <laughs> that they were dealing with now let me just push pause here and, and go to Jesus uh, when he was uh, invited to go in and eat and, and um, Mary had come in and, and uh, wiped his feet with her tears and hair and, and poured perfume on him. And, you know, Judas, who was the businessman, you know, um, let me leave that alone. Uh, so Judas essentially said, you could, we could have taken that and given it to the poor. And Jesus' comment was, the poor you will have with you always. Which, let me just linguistically lay this on you or parenthetically interject here, or perhaps incidentally insert to you, that if the prosperity message is true, and Jesus said the poor you'll have with you always, somebody lied. 
But I digress. So, God divided the plan here to take care of the poor. Now remember, Israel operated on a seven-year cycle. Remember, six years you planted, the seventh year you rested, right? The eighth year you would plant again, and the ninth year you'd have your first crop, right? So here, every third year, this third year is not third year perpetually, but the third year of the seven-year cycle. Now, this was, for the Israelites, when this is written, because remember, this is written for them to perform. It's implied. They understand. Right? Every third year. They, they wouldn't have required the explanation that I have to give. Because it's part of their culture. It's where they are. It's what they do. Okay? Um, so the, the system was the third year and six year and seven year cycle. This was a systemic program, not a belief program, not a faith program. In other words, it was the law. Just like today, if you break the law, the authorities will take an interest in you and your unwillingness to follow the law. Back then, the third year and sixth year tithe was the law. It was how the nation took care of their poor. Okay, um, now you will see that the Levites are mentioned as part of this. And you may say, okay, Reginald, we talked already that the first tithe you showed us was the Levitical tithe. Right, where you had, to, we, we, we went through this, right? This is to the series, <laughs> that you had to give 10% to the Levites that lived in your town. Remember, Levites were spread out all over. You know, which makes sense because they didn't have their own land. Right? So you give it to them. Now, the Israelites, let's just say, weren't always obedient to God's laws. They didn't always do what God had instructed them to do. So if you had Levites who lived in your town, and the people there did not give tithes, to the Levites in their town, and the Levites didn't own their own land, didn't own their own livestock, they were poor. So they would come and participate during the time of the poor tithe. And this is where you see this. So when, when the scripture says, that, verse 29, and the Levite, because there is no portion, no inheritance with you, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. Keep in mind that this was really dealing with those who were poor. Now, the, this segment of the population normally would be the poorest. The Levites, because they had nothing. The fatherless, those essentially who were orphans. Right? No one to take care of them. Uh, the stranger, you know, the, the alien, the, the one who was not part, they were coming through the land, 
you know, surgeoning for, for, for whatever purpose. Uh, they would want to, to take care of them. Uh, they were normally poor. If you, you think of, you know, people, foreigners, you know, kind of sitting beggarly type. If you, if you think of it, you get a mental picture. Uh, and then the widow, of course, the widow, she had nothing. Now, you may think um, to uh, Naomi uh, and, and kind of how that scenario went down uh, and how... Um, Boaz ended up saving him, and we're going to kind of deal with that. I can't teach it all because we have, we have time limit here. Uh, but you, you, you'll kind of understand kind of how this works. And you could have a scenario where a widow could have a lot of money, right? For, for you know, whatever the case, however, you know, it may come down. And she would not have been the target audience for the poor tithe. She would have been a widow, but she would not have been poor. I mean, the poor tithe really was for the poor. You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and so that's kind of important to understand. All right, also, um, by looking at how this is set up in this particular passage, you have to realize that no one was left out of God's plan. Everybody's taken care of. The landowner and the, and the person who have livestock, and, and by the way, um, the scripture does not speak about livestock here. It really only talks about a person who has, who has grain, bring your crops. You know, so I, I, I'm, I'm not going to assign to scripture what it does not say. Now, um, Reginald speaking, I, I, I um, think that probably those who had livestock would tithe the tenth one here, but the scripture doesn't say. So we're only going to go with what it says, which is those who had crops. Um, but everyone was taken care of. Those who had crops during that seven-year cycle, God said, I'll make sure that your sixth-year harvest was so abundant that it lasts you three years. The Levites, God had a plan for. The priest, God had a plan for. The festival tithes, remember those who had more than enough were to share with others so that no one appeared before God empty-handed? Even the Levite, they joined the Levites alone. The Levite, they had nothing. They're like, come on, you know we got to go to Jerusalem. And you shared with them what you had. So everybody was taken care of. And here we see where the poor is taken care of. No one is left unattended. So, so you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to, in God's system and plan for what we're reading about concerning the tithe, have your own stuff. You got to make it on your own. If you ain't got it, you ain't going to get it. But that's not the plan here. Here, the way that God's system is laid out, everybody's taken care of. All right, let's um, take a look at Deuteronomy 26, chapter, verse 12. Deuteronomy 26 chapter verse 12 when you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year the year of tithing and have given it to the Levite the stranger the fatherless and the widow so that they may eat within your gates and be filled then you shall say before the Lord your God I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, 
according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. Okay, and that's really just saying what Deuteronomy 14.28 said, but you should be able to find supporting documentation within Scripture for what you're speaking about. I mean, that's just kind of how this works. But so understand that the third year, and this one I want you to take away, the third year and the sixth year are very important. So again, when you're looking at how the tithe is set up and how it's working, and you listen to how the tithe is being presented today as a requirement by God, you see, again, it does not match. It, it, it is not one and the same. I mean, unless you're willing to give people two years off, one year tithing, you know, which I don't imagine that those who are teaching that tithes are a requirement or required by God today would be willing to do, then it is grossly inaccurate. So the, so the four tithes in summation, the Levitical tithe, the Levites tithe of the tithe, the festival tithe, and the poor tithe were all being dispersed during a seven-year cycle at different times of the year and not everyone was required to tithe and not and and not only was not everyone required to tithe but part of that tithing process was to you the individual with the crops and the livestock okay let's take a look at the poor and God wanted the poor to be cared for but he also understands giving now let me just have a commercial break here we're going to deal with giving right? because I spent this entire series dealing with the tithe because it's the tithe portion that is being taught as required by God that is biblically inaccurate giving however is still very much a part of our entire faith uh, our faith walk and our belief system it needs to be taught correctly okay uh, so we're going to do with that I, I want to show you a passage of scripture in, in the New Testament in 2nd Corinthians and then we'll go back and we'll deal with God there was a requirement by God for the poor to give I want you to see how God kind of set this up so you can see that he's teaching and showing a principle uh, even even in the with under the law so go to second Corinthians the eighth chapter second Corinthians the eighth chapter <clears throat> and I think this is familiar for, for a lot of folks, and I know that I've, I've talked before about how, you know, Paul is a great person to take a look at, um, especially because of where Paul came from, and we've dealt with this, with Paul being the apostle to the Gentiles, so he's dealing with people who don't know the Israelites' customs and practices, right? The people that Paul were... 
Paul was interacting with as he's planting churches, right, did not know as much about the Israelite customs as we do now. Think time frame. So when he goes in and, and he's, he's presenting the gospel, uh, they don't know as much about what's going on there. We do because we have, you know, history books. And we have the internet and Google. You know, <laughs> we can figure these things out. You know, although some people will assign our ability to research information, you know, as a, as a, as a bad thing, we know that's not necessarily true. Now is it? So, so Paul, if you follow Paul's journey, what you will never find Paul talk about is tithing. Paul who says, concerning the law, I had no equal. But yet, he goes and plants these churches, you know, for the Gentiles, and he never teaches them about tithing. You know what he teaches them about? Giving. He teaches them about giving. And so, in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter here, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Macedonia is this region area. We talked about that, right? And he says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Now, let's take a look at this. Now, I want to make this, this plain, right? Listen, as a pastor, you know, and you know, our financial officer is, is sitting right here, and she can attest to this, it, it takes money to run ministry. I am acutely aware of this. Um, so, you know, people say, well, listen, you're doing this series, I mean, but you don't believe that people need to give? No, no, no. <laughs> I believe people need to give, you know, uh, give freely uh, with all liberality. We don't need that word, really. Generously. Give generously. All right, because it's really needed, right? If you're listening, listen, you listen to the series on the internet, look, there's a donations button right there under the sermon messages. Feel free to click on it. You can feel PayPal. Right? We try to make it as easy as possible for you to donate and give money. However, I, I can't teach you that God requires the tithe, I have to rely on what it is that you have in your heart to give. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that the churches of Macedonia were in deep poverty. Deep poverty. So it wasn't like they had a lot. And, and what he's saying is that based on what they were interacting with us according to you know, the gospel being presented and, and what we were doing in churches, they wanted to give beyond their ability to give. So can you, can you, can you give, I mean, until it hurts? Yeah, yeah, you can. Does God require you to do that? No. He does not. The, the, the word that you need to focus in on is that they were freely willing to give. And that's the key. So, and I wanted to show that only because here you're talking about the poor. We're talking about the poor tithe. 
and hear that the poor in Macedonia still wanted to participate. They still wanted to give, even beyond their means. They wanted to, to give to Paul and to the ministry. And we also know that, the, that Paul took this and he went further along and he said, listen, the church in Macedonia was giving. I mean, y'all said y'all was going to give. Don't let me have these people come down here from Macedonia and see y'all not ready with your gift. And we'll, you know, we'll deal with that when we get ready to teach on giving. But the reality is, is that it's, it really has to be done freely. And that's the key. That's the key. That it has to be done freely. Right? Pastor Nakia is, is oftentimes want to say, you know, to, to come out of um, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 6, and 7, when he, when he talks about that you, uh, God loves a cheerful giver. Right? And he has this great smile on his face when he talks about it because it's... Uh, it's a reality uh, that God really does love a cheerful giver. And, and really giving should be along those lines. You, it should be pleasure. You should, you should want to do it. That requirement thing, man, there is not a lot of joy in that. I mean, it, it, it becomes what all law becomes, a bondage. I mean, people can suffer emotional harm or not come to church at all because they don't feel like they can meet that requirement. And that was never God's intent. That was never God's intent. Okay, so now, so let's match this up. Exodus, the 30th chapter. Exodus, the 30th chapter. And we'll get it, um, verse... Let's start around verse 15. Alright, so, you, so you, you see where, you know, the poor can give. Uh, let's, look, let's start at verse 11. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord when you number them, that, they may be, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And the shekel is 20 geras. And essentially, the shekel according to the sanctuary set the standard. Because right, you dealt with weight. You're dealing with weight. And he said, the, the half shekel should be an offering to the Lord. Everyone, including among those who are numbered, from 20 years old and above, shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. Now, listen to this. The rich shall not give more, the poor shall not give less. Okay, now remember everything that we've talked about and everything that we've shown with the tithe, that everyone's included, right? And the poor not having anything. So is it that the rich are to, Reginald speaking, that the rich are to look at the poor and go, you're not going to make it. <laughs> you're going to have a plague on you. No. If the rich who have plenty are limited to only having to give half a shekel, what are they now having the ability to do? Give the others half a shekel. Think about that. Do you, do you understand what God is, was, is doing and how he set up the whole tithing system for the Israelites? Again, no one is left out. I mean, we went as far as to talk about the year of Jubilee. Even those that made bad financial decisions for whatever reason the lost land, in the 50th year, you got it back. Seven, seven-year cycles. Complete. 
50th year, restore, start over. He rebalanced the economic system. This is what he was doing for the Israelites. Now, I guarantee you, you go to Israel today, you sell some land, you ain't getting it back in the 50th year. So they don't even follow that. You know, we just have to kind of understand what we're reading. And the historical perspective, you got to take into it. Okay. Um, now, keep your finger in there. Keep your finger there because this is where God required everybody, rich and poor, to give the exact same amount. And the rich had the ability now to share with the poor so that everybody had their half shekel. Right? Because, again, the plague was for the Israelites being numbered. Right? You know, you would think David would have read more of history because he went in and numbered and they paid the price. I guess they couldn't get them shekels out fast enough. I don't know. Go to Leviticus, the 14th chapter. Because God also had a plan for them. Right? If they couldn't give. Leviticus 14, 21. Let's take a look. But if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be weighed to make atonement for him. Now, there's a lot to this. All right? And I am not, due to time constraints, going to go and read all of this. I do encourage you to read Leviticus. It's fascinating uh, reading. But I want you to understand that, that even here, God has a way or means of giving that poor person and a, a way out. If you, if, you can, if you didn't have this, then you can give this. Okay, today, and, and, and how tithes are taught or presented the requirement of God, man, listen, you're getting cursed. You ain't got it. Oh. That's it. Hey, now, here's my thing. For those who are listening, who have missed paying the tithe, what was the curse you received? That's what I thought. Not having money in your pocket is a result of not paying tithes. It's poor financial management. Two separate issues. And that's the reality. Okay, let's finish this up. We're going to go rapid fire through some scriptures, and then I'll set up for next week, which is when I'll be dealing with Malachi, um, which I've labeled the home of the tithe monster. And I think everyone's kind of been anticipating that. Okay, go to Exodus 23. Turn with me quickly. Exodus 23. I'm going to get there, and I'm going to start reading. Verse 1. Um, excuse me, verse 11. Oh, here I started verse 10. Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce, but the seventh year shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave, the be and, and the beasts of the field may eat. Now, in like manner, you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. So what's God's plan for the poor? You sow six, you, you sow seed six years. Boom, 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 six years. You sow, you reap. You sow, you reap. Seventh year, you plant no seed. The poor come behind and eat. Remember, we talked about this. You, it's going to be stuff on the ground still, right? So you're, the poor come by and they eat of it. And then what the poor leave behind, the beast of the field come and eat. 
These, I mean, God has this plan, right? So, it, you know, if, if you were, you know, thinking about it, I mean, someone who's greedy and selfish and, you know, it, we're a little, we used to call this being stingy. You're stingy. <laughs> you cut and you keep going over there. You keep reaping. You got to go back again. Ooh, I left something. You grab it all up. And, and then all you leave is dirt. That wasn't God's plan. He said, you, you, won't, you won't reap more than once. You'll go through. You, you reap your harvest. And then that's it. And let the poor come behind. Okay, go to Leviticus 19 chapter and we'll go verse 10. Leviticus 19.10. Talk about God's plan for the poor and how he was taking care of them. In addition to the tithe portion we talked about, right, this is how God is taking care of the poor the whole time. Leviticus 19.10, he says, And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So again, he's, he's leaving and taking care of the poor. All right, uh, turn to Leviticus 23:22. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest that which drops in the vine. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So don't be all up in a corner of your property trying to get all up in there and get it all. You're like, leave it for the poor. Now, if there were a challenge to be issued, which I've shown the proclivity for doing as of late, it's that a church should have square in its sights the poor in its community. If more money is being given, to support the church, than being given to the poor in this community, your priorities out of order. God is not glorified. Not in the poor. He is glorified in taking care of the poor. And this is what we've seen and how the tithing system was was developed and how it was communicated how it was documented, how it was enforced, that the poor was not left behind. And so next week we will deal with Malachi, the third chapter. I will ask you in advance to read, starting at Malachi, the first chapter and the first verse. Read the book of Malachi. It is not that long. Read it. Read it in advance. Because we'll come in next week and I have a lot of information to cover. But this I do promise you, by the Spirit of God, you will never look at tithing the same. If these first five parts have not shown you what God has set up the tithing system for, then our teaching next week will for sure. Remember this, we are no longer under the law. We operate under God's grace, God's love, and God's forgiveness. Bow your heads. God, we thank you today for all that you've shown us, for what you're teaching us. God, we glorify your name. We magnify you. 
God, we thank you for resetting our priorities, not only as a church, as a people, but as believers, God. That we may honor you in our care and love for, for others. God, your son says to us that by our love for one another, people will know that we're his disciples. And God, we ask that in this upcoming year, that our focus and our priority can be in sharing that love with those around us in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our community. God, I ask that there are some tremendous miracles that take place in relationships. We thank you for the vision of this place that, that all of us together collectively will experience life change by doing life together. We thank you for that, God, because we know that it comes through your grace, your love, and your forgiveness. Now, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise, honor, and glory forever, God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from the Freedom Center Community Church, where people are experiencing life change by doing life together. We desire to partner with every individual so that they may realize the full God potential that's in them. Also, we invite you to become a friend of the Freedom Center Community Church on Facebook. Accept the truth. Receive the freedom. Thanks again for listening. God bless.